Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Halton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. So Vince, he's based in Kildare. And he's been pursuing financial independence for the last three years. Uh, he just shares a little bit about his story and about the meetup group that he hosts in Dublin once a month. Yeah, and Vince just shares his story. I think it, it validates a lot of the stuff that I've been trying to do, which was, from my own point of view, wonderful to hear. You know, it was almost like an echo in many ways of hearing somebody who's, I guess, going through the same realization and uh, to a degree struggles in terms of coming to grips with the stuff. So, yeah, certainly uh, enjoy the interview. I'm very excited. So, I mean, let's let's start on your own background, I guess, and and how you came to discover financial independence, and um, a little bit on your background and what you tried to do, I guess. Financial independence was a little shock to me, to tell you the truth. What happened was I got to my fiftieth birthday, and realised that I had a very little or or even a small pension, basically little or no savings, and um, rapidly running towards um, retirement. And uh, and I went, oh, crap, what am I doing? Where am I going here? So basically, you know, before I was spending, I had this blind consumerism like everybody else. Uh, you know, you make your money, you, you spend it on nice goodies and nice cars yeah. and big houses and everything else. Uh, so once I got to this point, then I was, uh, oh, boy, where am I going here? At that point, then I started uh, first tracking my expenses. So just I was doing that for about a year and uh, kind of categorizing those expenses. And then after that year, I was looking at the categorizations and went, wow, I didn't realize I was spending that much on those categories. Uh, It could be, you know, just my car alone is costing a fortune. So then I started looking at, right, well, how, what can I do here? You know what? What can I do to save? Uh, it, there must be other people in the same situation. Don't start doing some research. I was reading that um, that book. I don't know if you know it is. Um, uh, was it Rich Dad Poor Dad? Yeah, and it's just a great way of explaining the FI. You know, he done it through a story basically, so it's fantastic. You know. Yes, yes, and, so, and, and particularly the contrast between his rich dad and his poor dad. I think exactly. it was, you know, they, they were miles apart, which was uh, which is very interesting. Yeah, and and there was just good nuggets of information in there. Uh, so then I started. Then at that point, then I started, you know, researching financial independence. Uh, found a lot of American sites, you know, talking about four hundred one ks and Roth IRAs, but there was also those other parts of it as well. You know, like. Tracking expenses, uh, get more passive income, investing in in uh, funds and so on and so forth. You know, excellent. So yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it yeah. sounds like it sounds like you kind of yeah you you, you kind of hit this holy grail in many ways yes. of of finding this um, this concept that I, I guess and and it's it's so common that that we're kind of almost brainwashed to to ignore. It's it's like the elephant in the room, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're always working, we're working and spending, working yep. and spending. And at one point, you kind of wake up and, and go, well, hang on. And I, I always find myself, it was always around that New Year's period when you'd have a little bit of a break over Christmas. Right. And you'd go back to work in January and you'd kind of go, am I, am I actually any, any better off than I was last year? And usually the answer was, well, not really, or, or, or not, not significantly enough for it to make a dent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's great. And I guess given your age, uh, Vince, I, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of your investments now are going into your pension. Is that so, fair to say? 
right now, yes. Uh, so I have quite a big chunk now going into ABCs, so which is you know additional money that goes into your pension. That's one of the great uh, investment vehicles in Ireland. So there isn't a, there isn't many of them, but that's a one good one. And yes. the main reason for that, of course, is the and I think you mentioned this in your own blog as well, is that you get that forty percent straight away. So if I tell my company, I say. I want to have a thousand euros going to my pension every month. So a thousand euros goes in, but it only costs me 600. So that 40, I get 40% interest immediately, which is a great way. That's a, it's a great thing. You know, so you're not going to get 40% interest anywhere else. Right. Yeah, exactly. The okay. issue there, of course, is that it's stuck there and it's stuck there until you're, you reach your retirement age and then you can start taking it out. Um, but again, you can take that lump sum out, you know, there's 200,000 you can take out. And then after that, then you can, anything over the 18,000, you're going to get taxed on. So yes. eventually they do, they may get some tax out of you, but, um, you do get, you know, that lump sum free 200,000, which is a, a nice bonus, you know? Yeah, correct. And correct. And just, just for listeners, basically that, that rule is, is you're, you're allowed to take up to 25% of your pension as a lump sum payment up to 200,000. So oh, exactly. the golden, okay. yeah. The, yeah, the, the golden number is to try and get it to 800,000. Yeah. If you can, yes. uh, then, then you can maximize that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's great. And look, that's, that's uh, a, a certainly a great mm. way to do it. And certainly, and I've advised us to, to other people in the past as well as, as if you are probably you know, 50 plus, then concentrating on the pension is probably the best way yes. to go because it's only a 15 year investment. Whereas me at 35, we're talking 30 years. So it's a lot longer to kind of see over the horizon if you like, but, uh, but for you Vince, at least you've got a, a kind of countdown clock now on. From that Absolutely. Point of view. And, 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 but also just knowing, you know, knowing that you're going to be okay when you get to that age as well, because I think that, you know, for, for so many people uh, in their sixties, <laughs> you know, they're really worrying about this now if they haven't. So you've at least given yourself that extra decade to, uh, to get on top of this, which is yes. great. And, and I'm glad I, I discovered this as well. I'm glad that I've came to that realization. Because like you said, I could have just carried on working like I am and spending my money, like like I was saying, you know, the, the way I was normally spending it, and then get to 60 and going, oh boy, now there's no way. I, and you cannot really rely on that state pension. You know, we no. we don't know what's going to happen at that state pension by the time we get <laughs> into our uh, mid-60s. You're, you're probably... You're, you're probably a safer bet than, than my own generation, yeah. but um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we really don't. And I mean, with an aging population, it's only going to get harder yes. and harder to uh, for the government to, to, to guarantee that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's like anything in life. You want to you wanna be able to some, somewhat grab the, um, the bull by the mm-hmm. horn, so to speak, to make sure that um, you definitely have something yeah. there. And uh, I mean, Vince, I mean, your, your own personal situation, I mean, do you, are you married with, with kids or anything like that? I am say? divorced with kids. Okay, and, and I mean, is there anything in particular that you pass on to your to your children now that you've discovered financial independence and, and the concept? I of certainly try to. So I'm always talking to them now. My my children are still quite young, so one's just reaching eighteen, and the other one is twelve. So I try okay, to pass on to them more more about savings right now. So especially with my eighteen yes. year old, and kind of letting her know, you know, it's important to put a little bit aside and do and put that away at the beginning of each month. So once you get paid, you know, take, this is what I do anyway. So I pay myself first. Uh, you, I think you know that one, right? Absolutely. Um, so I set up direct debits and I have three pots that has gone into at the moment. So I have uh, my savings, um, 
So that's just going in. That's like a, an emergency fund. Um, I have money going into investments. So that's uh, going into those index funds. Very and good. then I have a little bit more going in then to uh, P2P then. Uh, so that's uh, peer-to-peer lending. Excellent. So, Excellent. Yeah. Very and good. I've almost got to my emergency fund point now. So I've three months is what I'm aiming for. And then once that's finished off, then I'm going to take that and be that's going to go into our savings instead. You know. Excellent. And then yeah. obviously you have a, a meetup group which is which is based in in Dublin. How did that come about? How did, how did you sort of get inspired to to start that group? Like when I was doing that research and I was finding all these American websites, I couldn't find anything at all in Ireland about financial independence. But well, you you found a little bit about uh, investing, but I wanted to really find more about you know the fire movement, right? Uh, so I couldn't find much, even in Europe at the time. I couldn't find much, so I decided to set up the meetup group. So meetup is you know meetup.com. They you can go in and set up your own groups about pretty much anything, and then people join those groups, and then you can you you meet up basically and you talk about it, right? So I decided to set that up in order to just meet other like-minded people mainly uh, just about to you know share stories and share tips ideas and uh, I suppose support each other as well in, in some way so what we do is we meet once per month and at the moment I usually get about between 15 to 20 people at these groups uh, and we have really just informal chats so there's there's no like uh, there's no structure. I don't have an agenda or anything like that. I, every now and again, I might go around the table and ask people. You know, maybe I'll ask them, "What did you do last month to help you on your path to FI?" Or where is there any particular aspect of FI that you're you're more interested in than others? Or is there anything you want to share with the other groups? You know, with the group or anything like that. You know. So yeah. it's a very, very much informal. And then people just chat to each other then, you know, they have, they're talking about all sorts of things. They talk about pensions, investments, expenses, um, you know, emergency funds, uh, all of that type of thing. Yeah, you know, that, that sounds great. I mean, and, and for, I mean, for me, part of the reason I started the podcast was so that I could actually offload a lot of the, the thoughts I had yeah. on financial because it's not it's not always easy to find a group of people to actually talk to about this because you know, you're you're often branded as a cheapskate yep. or people for me people kind of judge me for, for working less hours than uh, than they do and and you know having a different outlook on life so it's certainly something that I I am I've been meaning to up and, and see it and, and I certainly will by the end of the year uh, come up and join it because I would I would love to you're, be part of the conversation and you're absolutely welcome so, yeah everybody is welcome and there's people there from you know that are just starting out or just want to learn a little bit about it, and then there's other people there who've actually fired as well. Yeah, so, yeah. which is but, great. Well, you know, exactly. it's a, there's a good and mixture. And yeah. I think you hit it on the head with taking that sort of 12 months to track your expenses because mm. I think the, the biggest, the, the, the first realization is exactly that you discover it and you realize, yes. oh my goodness, how have I been missing this? Yeah. And I mean, I know for me it was a similar situation. I spent probably 12 months, you know, just trying to increase my income and, and you know, looking at ways to do that and then start tracking, similar to yourself, start tracking expenses without even necessarily making an investment, just trying to get on top of things for a long time. Uh, and it sounds like you went through a similar a similar kind of thing as well. So it's certainly, you know, that is the first part. 
Um, yeah. A little bit more on your investments, Vince. I mean, you mentioned index yep. funds. Is there any particular index funds that you mention uh, that, that you that you invest in? Is it managed funds that you're doing? Is it is it all index funds? It's actually ETFs. So ETFs are kind of like a a basket of funds that track another basket of funds. <laughs> so um, usually ETFs, the the ones I invest in are index ETFs. So they're usually low cost uh, indexes. And they, they can track, like, let's say the S&P 500 or the FTSE or the Nike or, you know, things like, like that, right? Yes, um, yes. The ones that, uh, there's, there's actually two that I invest in only right now. I used to do something else called DRIPS. I don't know if you know of it. Uh, it's a dividend reinvestment program. Okay. Um, so basically, when, the, when you'd invest in certain stocks, and the ones I used to look at, they were called aristocrats. Right? So aristocrats are basically companies that pay out dividends and have been for the last 25 years. But yes. not only that, they've increased their dividend amount every single year in those 25 years. So these, these are companies that are like the, the Johnson & Johnsons, the Altrias, the, you know, those type of companies. So they're, they've been there for a long, long time. They're constantly paying out their dividends. They know what they're doing. They've got that cash inflow constantly, so they need to push it back out again. And uh, so I was, I was buying into those. I was getting those dividends and then reinvesting them back in again. And, and when you do that, you don't pay any, any fees. Um, and then basically what it does, it buys more quantity. So your quantity is constantly increasing. And of right. course, the price will usually constantly increase as well because these are, you know, old old companies that are there for years and years and years, and they're they know what they're doing. So, that got, but it goes really slow. the The price increases very very slowly, right? So I was doing this for a while, but then I start to realize that I'm paying a huge amount in tax on these dividends. So I, they're they're classed as income, so you're paying up to fifty percent in tax. Yes. So at that point, I was going, you know, this is crazy. I'm not getting anywhere here. So then I decided then to start investing in these index funds. And what I do is invest in, there's two that I invest in mainly. Uh, one's called the iShares MCSI All World. It's accumulation fund, right? So meaning that instead of them paying out those dividends, it gets pushed back into that fund. Um, and then the other one is a similar type thing as the iShares MCSI Emerging Markets. Now, the Emerging Markets one, I have about maybe 15% of my total investment in that. And then the other 85% then is in the all world. Okay. And I, and I just stick to those funds, basically. And I, I, like I said, that direct debit that I have set up, I just put that money in there. Once it's up to a certain amount, I'll buy into those funds. And, and just keep keep working on that. And um, the research that I've done now, what I found is a lot of well, a lot of people have shown this anyway, but are kind of proven it, I suppose, in a way. Is that like if you look at the S and P five hundred, for example, and you look at any ten year, well, most ten year periods, um, it has grown by seven percent per year in those ten year periods. So there's one uh, primary example there. Uh, the if you looked at it, the ten-year period ending December 31st, 2012, which of course takes in that 2008 recession, it still made seven percent. So that so that's what I'm aiming for. You know that 
that constant slow growth, but compounding and constant and consistent investments. So you're getting that dollar cost averaging or euro cost averaging uh, across it as well, you know. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And I guess, I mean, the biggest thing that I always find with with investing in the share market is often your mindset as well, right? Like even if you look back December 2018, there was panic in the air, the S&P 500 dropped 500, uh, dropped 20%. Yeah. So, yeah, so it looked bad for a while. And of course, in January, February, it picked back up and went beyond before it even crashed. So, exactly. you know, how do you how do you deal with that? Is there a particular strategy that you have? I mean, do you do you monitor the, the investments on a monthly or daily basis or do you just keep buying no matter what and um, and just look long term? I keep buying them as I, as I go and I, I just don't sell. Even even when everybody else is panicking like that, I, I hold them because I'm putting my trust into that that seven or six or 7% growth over that period of time. I'm saying, look, this, these are the facts. These are, this is the past. So we know this happened over the last 10 years and you you can pretty much pick any 10 year period since 1926. And it has grown over, you know, that 7% uh, per year. Uh, So I'm saying, right. I know this now, I know this to be fact for these, these 10 year periods. Uh, so I'm going to base my future outcomes on those past facts. Uh, and that's all we can do, really, we, because you know none of us know what the future can bring. Uh, unless there's a, a major world collapse that lasts 20 years and nobody ever invests money again into any of these stocks, I think uh, maybe at that point then we're... Yeah, well, we've got a bigger problems to worry about, I think, at that point. Exactly. I mean, and we have to remember that as well. I mean, you're you're quoting stats there from 1926. We've had Mm. two world wars since then. We've had cold wars. We've we've had nuclear disasters almost. So there's been so much going on. And through all of those years, we've still averaged. I mean, I think the S&P 500 has averaged 11% with with dividends reinvestment, reinvested over the last 120 years. So if you look at something like that, and I think the biggest thing mindset-wise, and look, I know I've I've fallen for this even in my short sort of 18 months of investing, is you often invest and it goes down and you immediately think, oh, well, isn't that typical? You know, I finally get the market and I'm, you know, I'm going to be the sucker. But you've got to ride that, you know, you've got to put that in the back of your mind and and exactly quote exactly what you've done or do exactly as you quoted yep. which trust the facts you know trust, yeah. trust the history there because you know if, if you are that unlucky and even if you i mean look even if you had invested the day before the 2008 uh, great financial start, uh, crisis started mm-hmm. you would still be up today you yeah. know so it's, you would actually yeah it, it doubled yeah. since then so mm-hmm. you know you've got to you've got to trust yourself and and some of those things and just trust it and exactly as you said buy it and don't think about it. Just keep buying it, you know, each and every month or whenever the money comes in, and uh, and just and just go over it that way, I guess. Yeah. And, and if it does come down like that, and when you're buying, then you're actually buying more quantity. Then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're you're yeah, actually you're so actually getting you're actually getting a discount in that case. Yeah. So um, exactly. yeah, which, which is a great a great mindset to have as well. Yeah. Clearly, you've done a lot of research on this, and you've looked at the tax efficiencies. And I think in Ireland, more so than many other countries, you've got to be doing that, right? I mean, you mentioned the fact that the dividends are classed as income tax. So yeah, yeah once you hit that tax cutoff rate, any money there is going to be taxed at fifty uh, yeah. percent versus capital gains. I mean, with capital gains, you've got a tax free allowance, and then even then, after that, you're only taxed at thirty three percent. So um, from that point of view, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, so to be buying the index funds is, is great. I think with those ETFs, uh, if they're outside of 
Europe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Vince, but they're typically not taxed until you actually sell them. They don't actually fall for the, I know there is a tax where you know, after eight years, you have to pay the unrealized gains. Um, yes. That doesn't apply for some of those ETFs outside of Europe, I believe. So what, what uh, broker would you recommend if somebody... I wants- use, yeah, I used uh, Digero. Great. So D-E-G-I-R-O. Uh, they're an online, they're Dutch, I believe they're. Yes, um, that's correct. That's correct. I, I also use them out of interest. So if any listeners are looking to, to start buying some of these, that is the place to start. It is a little bit intimidating at first when you when you first buy your, when you buy your first lot of index funds and how it yeah. works and you've got shorts and longs and all of this sort of stuff. But by all means, you know, watch a couple of YouTube videos on it or just start with 50 euro and, and buy us, you know, just, just buy one, one unit to start with until you get comfortable with it or even just reach out to their support. I'm sure I've got no doubt that their support would be happy to to kind of you know, show you through and uh, and get you comfortable comfortable with that side of it. Exactly, yeah. And it, it is straightforward enough if you think about it. Like once you do go into that, um, you know, once you get your account set up and get it approved and everything else, from there you're just looking at the funds and you you purchase from there. You know, you you purchase how many shares that you can afford or or how much you want to put into it at that point. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think these things always seem scary until you've you've done yes. it and it becomes a habit, and then it doesn't seem it doesn't seem half as scary anymore. Excellent, Vince. Excellent. Look, this is this has been great. And I, I guess what's next for you in terms of um, I guess the meetup group and and your own personal situation? Is there any sort of big goals that you have on the on the horizon now? I'm, my my main thing right now is stay focused on on my path. All right. So I've been on it now for two years. Actually, coming on three years. Now the first two years, I got to tell you, it was tough. Like I was, I'm tracking everything right now. I'm tracking my net worth. I'm tracking the expenses. I'm tracking uh, how much has gone into the investments, how much growth that is, and it it looked like nothing was moving for the first two years. Now in the last year or so, or maybe the last eight months, I finally started seeing things notching up slowly, and it's it's starting to feel good now. So I'm keeping that path. I'm still still going to keep doing the meetup groups because I, I enjoy them. I, I learn a lot from them myself as well, you know, from talking to other people. There's some people there that really know about investments or um, other people who focus very much on expenses. So I learn from them as well. That's that's basically where I'm going, you know, just to keep keeping my expensive down as much as possible without, without becoming, you know, a hermit, basically. So I, I still... You know, I still travel over to France on a regular basis. I still go out and eat every now and again. I just don't go out eating as much. I still buy little gadgets every now and again. I just don't spend as much in them. If I was buying a phone, I'd buy an S8 now instead of an S10, you know, or you know, something yeah, along yeah. those lines, you know. Exactly. And um, I think I, I think when you start tracking your expenses as well, it's yeah. the money wasted that is ultimately the thing that, that got to yes. me. You know, I mean, we all have expenses, right? We all have day-to-day expenses. We all want to have entertainment. We want to take that annual holiday, you know, but there's a lot of money that we, that we would spend as as human beings without actually, you know, not, not, it doesn't bring us happiness or it doesn't save us time necessarily. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was the biggest, you you could probably cut out 20% of your expenditure just from that alone, if if you know what I mean. Absolutely. um, There's one, uh, one thing that I remember reading someplace, um, so if you, you should focus first on your fat expenses. So F-A-T, fat expenses, which is food, accommodation, transport. And they're the three ones that are going to, the three main categories that are going to cost you the most. So food, definitely I focus on that. Uh, and, you know, 
shop at Aldi's, shop at Lidl, uh, buy, you don't need to buy name brand stuff. Some of this other local brand stuff is just as good. Um, now, saying that now, I'll always buy my, my meat at the, the local butchers because he's got great meat. Um, but other things I'll cut down on, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. We, we, we had that. We're, we're a family of five. So we had the same situation. But when I when we looked at it, I mean, we actually, interestingly enough, we actually put a we got a builder to put to put a pantry in for us because we'd find that food would fall behind our cupboard and right. it would either go off or we wouldn't realize it was there and we would be rebuying rebuying it. <laughs> I heard a stat recently showing that Ireland has one of the worst um, reputations for throwing food out in Europe, right? So wow. there's a big problem wow. in terms of just throwing food away. And I, I mean, I see it every Christmas, right, from my in-laws. I mean, the mm-hmm. amount of, we could feed an army the amount of food that is actually bought. And there's yeah. this expectation of, right, we need to eat this all over the next four or five days. So for us, it was a matter of not so much reducing the, what we actually buy in terms of when we're actually buying it, but just making sure we're not wasting food. Um, was enough for us to kind of cut back and and we find these days we eat a lot more leftovers than we used to they're actually doing a lot less cooking than we used to uh and it's sort of an attempt to cut it down because you know cooking every day and throwing out leftovers is is a big waste really when you when you look at it yeah absolutely excellent and you're living in you're living in dublin so i guess i have to ask i mean obviously dublin doesn't have the cheapest cost of living in terms of transport and, and accommodation has that been somewhat of a challenge for you to to kind of come to grips with in terms of you know, trying to do this in, I guess, a, a Dublin sort of situation? Uh, yes. Well, I don't live in Dublin now. I live in Kildare. But okay. um, but still, it's, yeah, it's very expensive. Now, I actually um, bought a house here. This is my pre-FI period. So I've, um, you know, I do rent out a room. So, I do, you know, that's a, a great scheme that they have is you can rent out a room and make up to 14000 per year tax-free. Yes. So, you know, that, that's a brilliant scheme. And I think everybody should be taking advantage of that. Like I said, the accommodation part is uh, one of the largest expenses. And I'm just very, very glad that I'm not renting. Because if I was renting, I it would kill me. It was uh, the amount, the rent around even here, the mine in Dublin, um, the rent in Kildare is very, very, very expensive, very high. Yes. And um, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be able to save as much if I was renting. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And I guess, I guess the fact that you can do that rent room scheme, I mean, that is a great way to, to reduce that cost, which is Absolutely. again, I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, if you are, if you are owning a home, particularly if you, you don't have children living at home, that's certainly something you can look into. And, yeah. you know, the fact that that is tax free, that means if you're getting say 10,000 a year from that, I mean, that's really after, you know, if you took, look into tax, mm-hmm. it's really like getting 20,000 a year. Yes. So it's a yes. massive, massive saving. Absolutely. Yeah. So I will post a link to the um, to your meetup group in the show notes. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to some of the listeners hopefully uh, coming along and, and meeting up with you in, in, in the next meetup. Fantastic. And thanks for having Excellent. me on. I appreciate that, Max. Thanks, man. Thanks okay. so much.